This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and Rossi much more. fights off an Anna's check. Sends it back to Kulikov. Cuts to the middle. Hands to Beckman. He scores! What a throws to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined, as always, tonight by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki back after a week-long hiatus to talk about the Minnesota Wild. Not as positive news to talk about today as they are on a four-game skid at the time of this recording as we head into the Christmas break, the roster freeze. But more on all that later in the show. Let's check in on the guys. Zeke, how are you doing this evening, my friend? Uh, doing real good. Been having a pretty good week. Uh, just earlier this evening, I went and saw the new Spider-Man movie, which was really, really good. So I uh, highly recommend people if you have any interest in the superhero genre. But yeah, no, I'm doing good. Just uh, looking forward to the next few weeks. Obviously, the holidays. I'm going up to Duluth for a weekend and then nice. the Winter Classic. So it should be a fun couple weeks here. Yeah, and Justin, what about you? Uh, doing well. Just uh, trying to close off uh, the rest of work week and I'm actually going to be heading up to Duluth as well uh, this coming Christmas Day. See some relatives, but uh, things are going well. The kids progressing in hockey, and uh, the only negative is freaking fantasy football and COVID. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but uh, doing well beyond that. Yeah, I am not headed to Duluth anytime in the next week, week and a half. Um but I am, as I found out today, going to be attending the Winter Classic, which should be pretty fun. Oh, that's um, awesome. And we'll, uh, we might preview that a little bit on this show because by next week, I don't know if the Wild will have played a game. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah. one, but there probably won't be two. I don't think you guys want to hear us break Winnipeg down. Winnipeg was next, I think. Yeah, I don't think you guys want to hear us break down a, a single game. So um, <laughs> <laughs> We might break down breaking down the yeah, games. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, I did look ahead the uh, to the forecast for the Winter Classic. It's going to be a nice, balmy high of nine degrees and a low of negative four, and I believe Damn. it's like a, it a six, seven o'clock puck drop. I think on New Year's yeah, Day, six, six o'clock. You yeah, know, I take so, that as a good sign because the high is the um, Miko Koivu degrees. Yep, yep. So uh, it's going to be chilly. So I got to find the layers <laughs> and bust those out. But uh, yeah. Uh, head, excited to head into the holiday. I'm I'm off of work until January 3rd now, so I get a nice little break, which will be nice. And I regrettably kind of coasted in the break. The, my productivity level this week was quite quite poor, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was kind of universally across the board as people roll into the Christmas weekend. For those that do celebrate our present to you guys, we did want to get on talk about the wild. We'll try to find maybe a positive thing or two to discuss along the way. Um, beginning with the prospect update, which Justin has, as we do have hopefully still uh, the World Juniors coming up here. I believe it's that they start up next week. I think uh, the 26th is when it begins. Yeah. So this week even. Yeah, it's coming up Sunday. four more days, as long as I'm correct. Yeah. I think Sunday so, will be the 26th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a ton of news with prospects. I mean, you got uh, the college season kind of on the holiday break and WHL, OHL. Uh, most of our players in those leagues are going to be in the World Juniors, so they haven't been there with their respected teams. Uh, beyond that, uh, same thing with the SHL and KHL. Uh, we got six guys going to the World Juniors. I thought we were going to have six anyways, possibly. Damon Hunt would have made it seven if he didn't get hurt in practice. Yeah, just uh, a and I shot. believe. 
I believe he but missed that, last year because, like, I think his roommate might have gotten COVID or something, mm-hmm. or yeah, he was hurt like right, be, like right around the same time last year. It was like a final cut, just two brutal mm-hmm. misses for Damon Hunt. But gotta think it makes him hungry for yeah, for whatever's say. next for him. Making our guys hungry. Who's Nadinov with his injury last year and Rossi going through his stuff, just making our guys hungry to win and do better. But yeah, I mean, we got uh, Wallstead going for Sweden. Who's Nadinov will be Russia, and then Canada we got O'Rourke and Lambos. Czech Republic we got Pavel Novak, and then Jack Pert was added to the U.S. roster after not being part of the roster originally, which was kind of crazy. But uh, it's good to see we'll have six guys, and I imagine at least one of them will have a chance to get a, a gold medal there. Yeah, uh, from what I've seen so far, it looks like O'Rourke and uh, Pert will be kind of like seventh, eighth defensemen. So we may not see a ton yeah. of them, but you know, if there's an injury or if someone doesn't play well or perhaps when, you know, someone like Canada plays, uh, you know, maybe a, a lower-end team, maybe someone draws uh-huh. in. Um, yeah. And then I want to talk about one of these guys. Be, uh, I have to look up the exact details. Um, and we did kind of address this on Twitter as it happened, but uh, Murat Huznadinov has signed uh, an extension yeah. uh, in the KHL with SKA. Um, and just kind of wanted to uh, kind of get your guys' thoughts on that. I believe it's a two-year extension through, I believe, the end of the 2023-2024 season. Honestly, I'm not too worried about it. It's nothing to fret. It's not like a Kaprizov situation yet where he's signing a three-year deal and being 23-24 when it comes over, which was fine anyways because we get him in his prime. But this kid is only 19. He's going to be 21 at the end of this contract. I mean, yeah, we want to see him in Iowa, but the KHL is not a bad place to develop, and you got to think he'll get more playing time now that he's signed a contract there because it seemed like he wasn't getting much playing time and not in the lineup, and the KHL is just a funky league regarding that. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of funny this happens right before the World Juniors and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, maybe the Olympics. I don't know. Who knows? But it seems like they handcuff their guys to play in these certain tournaments by signing contracts. But anyways, I, I'm not too worried about it. No, I think, I think you're right. I mean, especially, I mean, we remember the rumors from when Kreesaw was coming over that they threatened basically, if you, you know, that one year where there was two reports, him saying, I'm not signing. And then he does like two weeks later that that was also rumored that they said, okay, we'll keep you off the Olympic team. So yeah, obviously that's uh that's just kind of how they run things over there. And I think it was Scott Wheeler or somebody else had an article in the athletic about uh, Matt Mitchkov who plays for that organization, who's going to be like a top pick in a couple of years and the GM, I think his name was Roman Rottenberg or I can't, I think yep. so. Yep. He was I have the, saying, I have the snippet pulled up here. Yeah. It was a he pawn was man pretty, that uh, it at the athletic. Yeah. Okay. Prom. But it was pretty much, you know, saying, I mean, it's what you'd expect out of Russia. They want their guys to stay there and you know, they, if you're not going to stay there, then they, you know, like Justin mentioned, they're not going to play you very much or at all. So, yeah, it's it, it's just it is what it is. It's we're not in desperate need for him to be here anyways. So, sure, yeah. And then uh, so Roman Rottenberg, the the guy Zeke was referring to, the CEO of SKA Saint Petersburg, where of course Huzadinov mm-hmm. plays as well as Michkov. Um, this article is from Corey Promen, the Athletic. If you just search Matt Matt V Michkov and Promen, you can read more. But I did kind of want to read a couple excerpts. So. Rottenberg is the general manager and CEO of SKA St. Petersburg, a perennial contender in the KHL. He is also the first vice president of the Russian Hockey Federation and heads the management group of all Russian national teams. NHL sources describe him as one of the most powerful and influential people in hockey. He's also a man who's relatively unknown by the average NHL fan. Rottenberg has to be one of the top five most influential people in hockey. He basically runs one of the top country hunk top hockey countries said one nhl executive and then others describe him as a fiery and passionate individual a fierce defender of russian hockey in the khl he's critical of young russian players leaving early for north america saying they should wait until they are ready to be top players in the nhl following examples such as kirill kaprizov and Artemi Panarin. So, I mean, just from that alone, it makes sense why someone like Kuzadinov, I mean, of course, one, he plays for the guy. We did see the minutes starting to drop in SKA. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> you know, and Zeke, like you mentioned right before the World Juniors, um, I'd imagine we'll start to see the ice time in all areas start to tick up now. But Justin, to kind of echo what you said, I, I think it's fine. I mean, to get development in, in the KHL is great, um, as long as that comes with some good ice time, hopefully some exposure at center. 
Um, but I mean, you look at someone even like Matt Boldy, Marco Ross, I mean, these are guys that aren't going to make, you know, be full-time NHL players until they're 20, 21, 22 anyways. So it, you know, Addison, same way right now, you know, one of the wild's top prospects, he's going to probably be a full-time player next year at age like 22. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not sounding any alarm bells unless he signs another extension kind of beyond this one he just signed. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you'd, you'd rather have player in your own system. Like I'm sure any team was, but you know, like Brett mentioned that those, that team along with CSK, they have the most money in the whole league because they're government owned, I think, or owned by companies who are involved with the government. And they think they basically have, you know, two full teams of like guys who are healthy scratches all the time. So, you know, from Dalton's standpoint, I agree. It's uh, you, you know, it's, I guess it depends, but I agree. It's not, not a big, uh, not a big deal. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, Justin, anything else about the prospects? I just got one more thing. It was another signing, probably less, uh, Mm -hmm. gut wrenching for wild fans, but Philip Johansson also signed with Furlanda through 2024. So I'm not sure all the SHL stipulations are with contracts, but I got to imagine, uh, I don't know if we'll see them or not. (laughs) Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they offer him that contract or not because they do get a compensatory pick. I believe it'd be a second rounder um, Mm -hmm. if they offered him what they deem to be a fair contract and he elects to stay in the SHL. And I believe that has to happen, I think, before that extension he just signed is up. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, something to monitor uh, potentially as we head into the future here. Yeah, I I mean... I was just going to say, I think, you know, uh, because with it's different than the KHL, I think they have like some sort of agreement with those other leagues that basically they can, they, you know, they have a loan agreement where you can sign your guy if you pick them, if you wanted to. So that's just to gotcha. clarify that. Gotcha. That's good to know. And it, yeah, like you said, it'll be something to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, if, if that does happen, it'd be, uh, if we're not going to get him, it'd be good to get a second round pick and get something out of it because we've had some pretty good drafts with our lately, especially with you know second round pick would be nice. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have an analytics segment today. Um, I didn't want to talk negatively about anyone on this show. There's going to be enough negativity as it was, so maybe just hit along some of those things. Yes. Along the way, but let's kind of dive in a little bit different tone on this week's show. I believe last time we recorded it was uh, December 8th. The Wild that just won, I believe it was their seventh straight game, went mm-hmm. on to win that next night in San Jose to make it eight in a row. Things were looking great. And then uh, and then things have kind of screeched to a halt. Um, last four games have been a loss to the Kings way back on December 11th, um, followed by a 6-4 to four loss to Vegas, a postponed game against Carolina a somewhat ugly shootout loss to Buffalo um, last Thursday, a postponed game against Florida on Saturday, and then uh, a shit-kicking at the hands of Dallas Stars 7-4 to um, on Monday. And they've now dropped four in a row and had uh, two other games, three games postponed, including yep. tomorrow's against Detroit. They're scheduled to resume things on uh, Monday against Winnipeg. Uh, and that would be their last game before the Winter Classic, but we'll see if that actually happens or not. So I guess we'll just start. Are there any you know, part- particular games you guys want to get into? Any any kind of takeaways, what you think You know, the team is doing wrong, what's not going right? I have some thoughts, but I wanted to uh, flip it over to you guys to, to start us off. Well, I think, you know, overall, I mean, the first thing, just that I'll mention that's funny with Brett with your reverse jinx again how the last time we were praising Victor Aslan he has one of the worst games of anybody on the team this season the day afterwards is pretty pretty funny how that I guess it works both ways yeah yeah we know that but uh you know um I think the main thing that I've that I've seen from and I was talking about this with my dad watching the the last game is that they seem to be a little more loose defensively that not that they're playing horribly but you know, I know Cam Talbot wasn't great in the last game in Dallas, obviously. You know, he was probably the biggest reason they lost. But I just feel like they've been maybe a little bit more sloppy, uh, especially defensively, just not playing uh, – have their games just not as tightened up. I just obviously – I mean, they even said it there. Our, Marcus Foligno said it, our game's in pieces after the game in Dallas the other night. And I just think they're just a little sloppy, not uh, maybe taking care of the puck as well as they had during the previous eight games. And just kind of uh, – gotten away from what was making them successful, which is to, you know, all four lines playing well, playing with speed, 
and, and to, you know, not just throwing away the puck and, and taking penalties and all that. So I just think, I think maybe some of it's discipline. Maybe it's, maybe it's affected by the lack of practices or postponed games and having long, awkward breaks, you know, that certainly could uh, impact it. But I just think the overall, I just think they're playing a little too loose in their own end recently. And I mean, as Brett has said on Twitter, I think a part of that is some of their, their fourth line and their bottom six have been especially not very good. So I think that's been a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, we've had some, some breakdowns defensively and uh, I feel like, I don't know. It seems like we're maybe more lazy with certain things. Mm. I'm having a hard time remembering a lot of these, some of these <laughs> yeah. games, but yeah. just like it's hard with, you know, watch a game, then postpone, lose, postpone, lose, postpone. It's, yeah. it's hard to get a, you don't want to make excuses, but it's hard to get and keep something going, get rusty. That's not a good excuse to use, but uh, I mean, it just seems like we're having breakdowns of structure and, and defense and injuries don't help. Don't want to use that as an excuse either, but when you lose Spurgeon and Eck, yeah. it's just, it's, that does affect the team, but yeah, we just haven't looked good. Haven't looked like we did during the eight game win streak. And yeah, that's really all I have. <laughs> yeah. You guys hit on a lot of things. Um, Zeke, the one you think you hit on that I wanted to talk about was the bottom six. Um, forward group that is and you know <clears throat> when they were on this winning streak that was what was making this team so lethal is they were getting depth scoring they were getting contributions up and down the lineup you were having the bottom six group play well and to me that's been the most glaring difference um, kind of on this four game skid um, per the data that I pull from natural stat trick and this is is you know before any stat corrections um but the third and fourth line on this four-game losing streak, they don't have a single line between in any of those games between the third and the fourth line that have controlled over 50% of the expected goals, which means when they're on the ice, the other teams are getting more of the scoring chances, more of those high-danger chances. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, you look at the game in Buffalo, and that was one that really stuck out to me as I was there. Um, I mean, those bottom six got absolutely torched. Um, that night against Buffalo, um, I believe the uh, that was the the aforementioned Victor Rask game, Zeke. I think that you were yep. talking about um, that line with Rask, Goudreau, and Fiala had a five point three percent expected goals percentage that night. Um, I think it was near ten minutes of ice time, and they generated a whopping two shot attempts, one shot on goal, and a point oh four expected goals for. Um, which, <clears throat> for those of you that aren't analytically savvy, just know it's pretty much as about as bad as a line can be, especially when they play uh, 10 minutes. And we've seen that continue. I mean, we've seen they've seen them scramble the lines. We've seen them try different matchups. We've seen them play some bad teams, and it just it hasn't mattered. So something, I think, needs to change down there. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, and obviously now with the injury to Eck, it only makes things worse because you're basically now left with two options to either – elevate one of those three guys in the bottom six that can play center and Rask, Goudreau, or Sturm to play with Felino and hopefully Greenway if he comes back. Otherwise, you know, maybe do you stick Hartman back there and is it, you know, hey, Marco Rossi, you're going to get your shot between Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Maybe it's a Connor Duar. I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do because, I mean, we, we've seen them, you know, they, they won, you know, they went on an eight-game point streak without Jared Spurgeon. He's been out. The defense we know has been okay. Um, but Jewel Erickson is where, where I want to go next. It's an absolutely huge blow um, to, to this offense because that line was picking up, playing really well too. Um, we'd seen him help kind of find Greenway's game again, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge loss for this club. Yeah, it's not just a loss to the offense. It's a loss to the defense yeah. as well, and special teams. He kills penalties. So, Not to mention how many he draws too. Yeah, it's all around just sucks. It sucks ass that he got hurt, and it sounds like it's going to be longer term. So, yeah, like you said, who knows what the what the fix will be or, or the replacement for now. But, uh, yeah, it just stinks. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there was – I mean, obviously you could say, you know, that a guy like Kaprizov or even, you know, maybe someone else on the team is more important or Zuccarello because they provide more of the offense. But I think if there's maybe one player on the team that you would the least want to lose for a long time, it would be Eck because just 
like you guys have said, like Justin said, how valuable he is on uh, both ends of the ice. And especially, you know, they're deep, but we can still say that at center, they're still probably not the most deep in terms of, you know, after that, it's Ryan Hartman, who's, you know, been pretty good, but, you know, he's kind of first year playing full center. So he's wouldn't call him legit top liner, even yeah, though he's smart I, like it. And I, I yeah. think the biggest difference, Jake, just to interrupt you real quick, between Eck and Hartman is that Eck creates for his line. He's the one that drives that engine. He, you know, he's creating the offense, preventing on the defense, where Hartman, I think, is just more of that. He's a, and, and he's a great complementary piece between Kaprizov, Zuccarello. Uh, Shana Goldman of The Athletic had a great article about that line. Yeah. Encourage everyone to check that out, read more about it, about why he fits there. But I think, to me, that's the difference between him and Eck, is Eck drives the line where, where Hartman's a passenger, a good one at that, but he doesn't mm-hmm. drive the line the way that Eck does. Well, I mean, we saw that uh, in Dallas first goal last night. Uh, Kreisov made a nice pass out front to Hartman, just buries it. As you said, there's nothing wrong with being able to just sit out front of the net and finish plays like you need guys to do that. But, you know, he's not the same play driver, obviously. And, yeah, no, it's just not ideal at all. I mean, you know, everyone, like you, Brett, mentioned maybe calling up Marco Rossi. You know, we obviously have heard since the beginning of the year from Russo how the Wild don't seem to want to, you know, play him past his nine games for his con so they won't start his entry-level deal this year and and all this. And, you know, I think logically, if you're going to call some up, he would make the most sense because I think, you know, there's a little bit more upside there. But I don't know. It just feels more like a something where it'll be, a like you mentioned, Brett, that Connor Dewar or Kyle Rao gets called up to fit in the fourth line and then they just move someone else up. And I thought, I saw some people saying, no, we'll just put Rask on the top line. And it's like, that's no, that's the last thing. That's the absolute last thing that we want is him back on the top line. You you put Nico Sturm with Felino and Greenway. Uh, that'd be much, you know, you don't need to put Hartman in that line, in my opinion. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's adversity. Like Justin said, everyone deals with it, but it's, that's probably in my opinion, the last player you wanted to lose right now. Yep. I'm not quite so sure that they call up Rossi. I mean, we all want him to be the one. Yeah. But you got to think they still, I mean, they could use Bugstead and Rask and and Hartman and uh, drawing a blank. But, I mean, it all depends on what they want to do because they could call up a winger like Shaw or Dewar, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think that would be more likely. For some reason, I got that feeling in my gut <clears throat> that it would be more like a Dewar that would get called up. And, you know, kind of – Maybe he does call, get called up and play well because we saw what Duheim did, and I feel like they have kind of similar games. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, for me what it comes down to, and I think Garen said most on his most recent radio stint with Russo, I think, you know, Russo kind of asked him about, hey, you know, is this a chance for Marco Rossi? And Garen, you know, gave his typical can, well, they got to earn it. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. it's been consistent. That's been the consistent message. And we've, and we've seen that, you know, when a guy's playing well in Iowa, he's gotten a call up, whether it's been, um, you know, a Dewar or a Shaw or an Addison or whoever else. Um, to me, it, it just makes sense in the fact that you don't know, we, we don't know the timetable on X injury. But mm-hmm. if Rossi played and barring any more postponements or anything rescheduled, um, <clears throat> nine games for Rossi would give the while until uh, through the Colorado game on uh, January 17th um, would be nine games from now. So, I mean, that buys you three weeks basically uh, from Monday to maybe allow Eck to heal up a little bit. Um, you know, have Marco Rossi really show you what he can do. You can put him in a position to succeed. You can try him on that, uh, you know, with Kaprizov. Maybe you mix things up, try him with a Fiala and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, someone else on the wing, see what he can do there. But to me, it just, if you're, if you're going to have him play a nine game stint this year, to me, this is when it makes the most sense. Mm. Um, and I haven't had a chance to watch Iowa's games, but I think he's been playing pretty well in Iowa, um, for the most part. So, to me, it's just if, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? Because it just it makes yeah. sense now. The need is there. You lost a top six center. The bottom six hasn't been great, so why not bring in a guy that you expect to be a top six center for this team and see what he can do? I got a question regarding that. Do you think if it was like a two- to three-week injury as opposed to like eight- to ten weeks, do you th- what do you think they'd do there? If it was like eight- to ten weeks, do you think they'd still pull up Rossi and then burn that first year? I don't know if that really matters if he's playing well, but 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it come down to. I think you give him the nine games, and then you had to make the you'd have to make the call from there. If if mm-hmm. he looks that's like true. he fits in, yeah, you got to keep him up. Yeah. You know, that's good. You have a good player to fill. Um, and if he doesn't, you send him back down. You don't burn that first year. I mean, it, to me, it's a win win for the Wild. They get true. nine games to see if it works. If it works, well, great. You found someone to temporarily replace Eck, and then when he comes back. You've got another guy that you can factor into your lineup. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't work, well, at least you tried it. And now you know you sent him back down to finish his development this year and hope mm-hmm. that he improves and takes his strides and need to be back next year. Right. That's yeah. true. Win-win. He gets big playing time either way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, like you, like Justin said, win-win. There's not, it's not really going to hurt anybody uh, uh, you know, on this team or hurt his development in any way to play a handful of games, uh, especially in a – in a big role, it's not like, you know, I can't imagine he'd be any worse than, you know, a Victor Rask or somebody else would be, or, a, you know, or another minor leaguer would be up in one of those top spots. So, no, I, I agree with you guys. I think that would def- should be the way they go, but we'll see if they do. Right. And, and I'm just going to say this. I, I'm personally, I don't dislike the players, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of the call-ups of, like, Kyle Rao and stuff, I think. Yeah, he does nothing. Something else, something else needs to be tried. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Rao's a very good AHL player, but I, when I watch him on the NHL, it's like, yep, that's that's a player. Yeah. He yeah. exists. Yep. <laughs> and to me, too, like they call those guys up and they don't play special teams. They don't play power play. They're fourth-line minutes, sometimes getting you know, other guys double shift for them and then playing like eight minutes a night. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Like, yeah. You have yeah. Boldies, Rossies, Beckmans. Like, you have other guys that you could put – with a Kevin Fiala and maybe have them be a little more valuable than Kyle Rowe in the fourth line for eight minutes. Like, I right. don't know. Just, it's always been my one like weird gripe with, with yeah. the Ky- I don't get the, he works his butt off, I guess, and earns it, but I, yeah, I, I mean, does that's true. <laughs> but all right. I guess yeah. that's uh, why I'm not in an NHL GM either. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I mean, the other option that I guess we didn't talk about, um, I'm sure COVID probably puts a, a hard break on this for now, but um, depending on how long-term the Eck injury is, you know, maybe this is a point where Bill Guerin maybe has to dip his toes into the trade market um, as well. Um, I don't know what's out there right now or what could potentially be out there, but I would imagine that it's at least something that they're discussing and, and exploring um, depending on the severity of X injury. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've obviously kind of know already that, you know, I mean, maybe it's just Roos' opinion, but he's basically been saying that, I mean, he's he said they called Vancouver, you know, a month ago when the JT Miller stuff was going on. And, you know, we obviously, he you know, it doesn't, we don't know everything that GMs talk about. So, yeah, I'm sure, you know, from, again, just based from listening to stories in the past, they, a lot of times, you know, people don't realize that trades don't just happen in like a day or two, like that's stuff they talk about for months. So yeah, no, I, you know, obviously if, if like you said, Brett, if they find out that he's going to be out for two or three months or whatever, and they don't want to put Rossi in that spot and burn his contract, regardless of what he's performing, I think that uh, it definitely be something to consider, but I think kind of what you said, don't know really how many teams are going to be wanting to subtract a player off their roster. Like even in Vancouver, they've won six in a row. They're looking a little better. Uh, San Jose has been, you know, actually okay. So yeah, I, I don't know how likely it is, but it, it's definitely something that they're probably exploring. I'm sure. And I think to add to the Vancouver situation, not only are they winning, but you have a complete change in the, in the management group there. Yep. Um, and for a GM to come in and, and, you know, trade a guy like JT Miller is a pretty big first move. Um, yeah, and especially be. when the team's playing well. Um, if, if I were a betting man, it definitely isn't happening now. You know, maybe if the, the magic wears off and Vancouver starts to struggle again um, under our good friend Bruce Boudreaux, maybe then it gets revisited. But it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, Vancouver's like, no, nah, we're, not, we're not interested in that right now. Um, we're in a good spot. And, you know, that's a weak division. They've got a chance to push for a playoff spot in it. So... Yeah, I don't know. That one could be off the table now, too. Other topics you guys want to talk about? Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, not too much. But I think, you know, I'm looking here on the uh, on the NHL the Wikipedia page and on the uh, NHL.com, and it uh, it is pretty cool to look at the leading scorers and see a guy sitting on our team, sitting alone in the top, in fifth in the top five in the NHL scoring race is – not something we're used to and right. uh, 
you know, I mean, obviously we've talked about him the last Caprice have last two years uh, and even the last month or so, and he's been really well. But, you know, even in Dallas last night, he had a great pass to Hartman, nice goal. It's and like the picked... most, like, forgotten about three-point game he's probably ever had. I know you we didn't hear discussing it too much. So, it, yeah, no, I mean, 36 points, 30 games is, is really great. And I did see some people last night because I know – on the empty net goal, he had a turnover and on one of the other goals, he was, you know, he, he tries this spinoramas, passes, whatever that sometimes get turned uh-huh. over or miss. People going, why does he, it's like the Fiala or Dumba thing. Why does he turn the puck over much? It's like, well, I mean, look at the 24 assists. It's, you create offense. You're going to try things. And obviously uh, it's not going to work stop. every time. No. And that's, if you, if you're being, if you're going to punish a guy for trying things like that, they're not going to be able to produce like he does. So, it's no, he's just been uh, nothing really new there aside from just been fantastic. Yeah, my no, it's a 98 point pace, he's still yeah. on. So, Jesus. Awesome. Uh, another thing, uh, I don't know if people are, are doing this or if you've even paid attention to it or care about it. Uh, the NHL is allowing us to vote for uh, captains of each division. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov would be, uh, I think, a pretty good choice for the central division. Uh, you get like 10 votes a day. So if you're interested, go ahead there and, and try and get Kaprizov. Uh, push him to be the captain of the Central Division. It'd be pretty awesome to have a wild player uh, do that. Yeah, I think last time when they posted, he was trailing Nathan McKinnon by like 3 or 4%. And, hmm. you know, he's great, but I got to be honest, he's pl- I think he's played like 19, 20 games this year. So, yeah, definitely go in there and uh, get slam on the votes for Kaprizov 10 times a day. Just random pick the other divisions we don't care about them but right yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surprised the uh, victor rask army hasn't written raskin enough or something <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can do right in votes or not but that's true what what if victor rask got in the all-star game and just had like a john scott moment That'd be <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> oh, man. it would be the most victor rask thing ever it really would oh it would be yeah just have the one good could game. you imagine watching him pace up the ice on three on three <laughs> against like mckinnon and yeah. Against like McDavid and Barzell and those guys, oh, it'd be hilarious. He'd, he'd, he'd trip on the blue line and then somehow <laughs> end up scoring the game-winning goal. Yeah, like <laughs> he would he would trip on his own blue line on the back check, be like a three-on-two. Would hit the post, the defense, and would hit him as he's like getting back up, and he'd go in and snipe or something for like a game winner. Uh, we can say bad things about him because we talked good about him and then he was bad again. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was kind of good and bad. We were saying he's tripping over the blue line, but he's scoring the game winning goal. Yeah, that's so. true. It's, <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. It balances well. out. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that was the vibe of today's show. If we can talk about all the bad stuff, we're going to reverse the reverse jinx um, and yep. make it make things good again, hopefully. Um, the Wild have had good luck against Winnipeg thus far. So. They've put up a lot of goals, so maybe they can continue that on Monday, get back on track before the Winter Classic. Um, the lone last negative thing I want to talk about um, is another positive that we addressed in the last show, and that's Cam Talbot. <laughs> um, I thought the game the other night against Dallas was the worst game he's played in a Minnesota Wild uniform. Um, allows two goals in the first two shots of the game, um, a pretty savable wrist shot, and then a turnover. Uh, shorthanded to the other team that leads to a goal, gets beat short side on a shot from the high slot for the third goal, and allowed three goals in the first six shots of the game. And Wilder basically, you know, chasing the rest of the night. I mean, I don't, I don't like to always blame the goalie, but to me, it just, it, it felt like, you know, every time the Wild, you know, would claw back, get back in that game, um, it just seems like Talbot would let in a soft one. It was like shades of Dubnik and Stalock from a couple years ago. Like, man, what do we got to yep. do? Um, and the game against Vegas, too, you know, he surrenders five goals in that game. And granted, those ones, you know, there were some two-on-ones, some nice shots, power play goals. Yeah. Maybe not as much his fault. But we've kind of really seen, like, this really inconsistent pattern starting to form. And I think that's been a piece of this, too, is, you know, what, you know, maybe the team coming, hey, you know, we don't got Spurgeon to, you know, lock things down on defense like Brodeen, you know, along with Brodeen for kind of those top mm-hmm. two pairs. You know, which cam are we getting tonight, you know? If he lets him one early, do they play a little tentative? Um, I was shocked to not see Capo Kakinen uh, come in last game because I thought his recent starts have been pretty good. But um, are you guys concerned about Cam Talbot? Do you think he'll right this ship? Or do you think this is the storm we're going to have to weather throughout the year as kind of these highs and lows? Um, I like to stay positive. I think he'll right the ship. I mean, we've kind of seen this before. 
not not like a Dubnik Stalock type stretch where they're bad for long periods of time, but I mean, season the season has ebbs and flows. Players get in slumps and then get out of them. I, I think goalies do the same thing. The good thing is he's one of those players that seems to be able to shake things off and be cool as a cucumber back there. So uh, I mean. I got to imagine he'll turn it around because he's been one of the best goalies in the league so far this season for a good chunk of the season. And, you know, he's had a couple of bad games, but uh, you got to think he'll turn it around, have the pro pro professional mentality to find a way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, you guys just like Brett mentioned uh, right at the beginning of this, that, you know, he's been inconsistent this year. He was, even though they were winning games of the year, he was consistently giving up four or five goals. And then he had, that during that winning streak had like the eight game stretch where he had like a 940 save percentage and then had a couple bad games. So, you know, it's just kind of tends to be how some goalies are. And, and like Justin said, with his professional attitude, I mean, even after the Buffalo game, when he was the only reason they even got a point out of that and got the shootout, he was, you know, falling on the sword and the presser saying, I need to be better. I need to, need to make a couple of saves there, you know, even though he kept them in that game the whole time. So I think, yeah, that, every- you know, that's his mentality, the way he approaches it doesn't seem to get too shaken even when he doesn't play uh, all that well. Yeah, I think that's the key with him. You know, a lot of goalies, I think, can have that short fuse, get really frustrated. But I think Cam's the type of goalie that can just put the game behind him. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Buffalo game would have been the next game after the Vegas game where he was terrible and then came out and had a great game. Mm-hmm. Um and like we said, uh, I blame the bottom six fully for that terrible performance for having to bail out. Because when the top two lines were on the ice, I think they had something. I was like, I think a combined like seventy-eight percent expected goals um, yeah. in that game. So um, it's like less. I think like a half a goal against those two lines combined in like twenty minutes of even strength. So yeah. So hope, hoping Cam Talbot can kind of maybe settle back in again. Um, I doubt we see Capo Kacken in either against Winnipeg, especially not in the Winter Classic. No. Um, hoping to see Jordan Greenway back in the lineup soon as well. It sounds like it's more of a day-to-day situation. Um, wasn't on the ice yesterday, from my understanding. I believe Jesse Pierce reported that. Um, so maybe just another maintenance day, giving him that full break. We'll see if he plays Monday, but I'd imagine he's probably back for sure by the Winter Classic, based on what we've heard. And then, of course, um, Jared Spurgeon re-aggravated that injury that kept him out for eight games, and it sounds like this is a longer-term issue now. So going to be interesting to see how this team, you know, works without two of their best two-way players and Spurgeon and Eck, guys who drive play, who, you know, dictate what happens on the ice. You know, we really got to see some guys step up, and I'm I'm curious how this team handles adversity. Um, you know, injuries happen to everyone, and this is one where the Wild are going to have to figure out uh, figure out what the what what to do without those two because uh, they're going to be without them, and that's the reality. Yes. So just one more thing in that Dallas game, I just yeah. got to say that it was impressive. You know, when they pulled the goalie with nine minutes left down three, how they you know kept the puck out of their net for a whole you know seven eight minutes there, and for the yeah. most part had it in the offensive zone. I mean, they did only score the one goal, and I mean you know they arguably could have scored a couple other times. I mean, Marcus Foligno with like three minutes left had got a pass right out front and he just inexplicably just fell right on his face for no reason. Yeah, Fiala had a crossbar. But, yeah. So, I mean, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was a pretty good stretch just to see him, even though they only scored the one goal, still lost seven to four. I thought the fact that they were able to, you know, get the puck in the zone, you know, keep possession and create offense for a good seven, eight minutes was uh you know, pretty impressive, even though they up to that point, they hadn't played all that great of a game. So I think that's just, you know, like Lepanta said during the broadcast, you, you know, you can never really turn off the TV with that, with this team, even when they are playing fairly poorly. So. Well, and that'll give them something to build off of. Even though I scored the one goal, something to build off of for the, the game against Winnipeg. And, mm-hmm. you know, we only have two games in the next 10 days. So it'll be, Maybe a lot of practice time. I don't know how their Christmas break will go, but yeah, I mean, hopefully they can uh, start another streak because they don't play a whole lot coming up here. Yeah, um, and then you have kind of a busy January, and then it might be another, uh, you know, barren February. With, you know, I, they have three makeup games right now, basically to play in a twenty-eight day stretch. Um, so, yeah, Z, just to build on kind of what you said, like I, I was worried a lot of times. You know, when I do the expected goals, natural stat trick mm-hmm. counts. Um, empty nets is even strength, and pretty much like any shot that's within like a foot of the net, even if it misses, if the net's empty, 
it can account for like 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9 expected goals. And I'm like, oh my God, it's going to look like the wild got absolutely <laughs> obliterated. Like I might have to do five on five to avoid this and actually end up looking the data. And I think, especially if you were to, I think, take away the one goal they did score, I think the wild might've had like less than one expected goal with the net empty for basically half the period, which is pretty, as you said, pretty darn impressive that they were able to do that. Just, uh, you know, too little, too late. Um, in that one, yep. but, um, yeah. Do you guys, uh, do we want to talk about the winter classic or maybe do just a short show next week about that? Uh, how do you guys want to approach that? Um, I think we could, I mean, I guess depending on there might, if there's a game next week, so maybe we could just do a quick thing, talk about it next week. Uh, cool. I do have one kind of question that I want to throw out, uh, for the end here. Just, this is kind of another positive thing too, but you know, it's kind of, it's not halfway point, but it's, you know, technically the holiday break. They're not playing very much next two weeks. Uh, who do you think is their, uh, the Wilds MVP through the first 30 games of the year so far? And you can just, whoever, just go whenever you feel like you're ready. I'm going to go with Ryan Hartman, I think. I mean, he's scored a lot of big goals. He's kind of gone cold lately, but he scored a lot of big goals, a lot of big points to help with a lot of those wins, so. And he's playing out of his mind for, for a $1.7 million salary or whatever. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, I think it's hard to not say Kaprizov. I mean, yeah. He's on a 98-point pace. You know, we've seen him elevate the games of Hartman. We've seen him elevate Zuccarello's game. I believe both are on um, paces for career highs in both goals, assists, and mm-hmm. points, all three, um, barring some regression. Hartman maybe have regressed a little bit, but... It's so hard not to when he's on, you know, patiently 100 points. But, um, you know, I think Hartman's a close second, and I think Eck could maybe be right there in that conversation mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you look at, you know, he's his expected goals and everything's still there. He's on pace for over 30 goals, as was my bold prediction, which has taken a smashing hit um, with this injury for that to come true now. But uh, if he's still on the 30-goal pace by the time the season ends, I'm calling it a win. Um <laughs> So I think he's right there, too. I mean, we, we briefly touched on this earlier, too, but, I mean, the amount of penalties the two draws, too. League leading yeah. by, like, a landslide. Mm-hmm. I think it's – I think he's in the 20s, like – I guess – I think he's coming up on 25 with the next closest being, like, 18. Yeah. Um, and the differential was there, too. He wasn't taking a lot um, in return. He had, like, a plus 17 or something, I think, penalty differential. Mm-hmm. So, Which... um I think you don't think any of those three. I think could be a wrong answer, and I think Felino, you can maybe even throw in that mix as well. Yeah, I think you know with the penalties with Kaprizov, that the, the good point you mentioned, Brett. But considering you know with the whole McDavid Tortorella thing about stars not really ever getting calls and being allowed to be basically mauled on the ice, it's pretty impressive that he you know like you mentioned does actually get the calls. But you know, I think I agree with you, Brett. I think Kaprizov probably is the most valuable player for all the reasons you. You explained, and I think another guy, maybe just that he could throw into that conversation as like an honorable mention. I think until he got hurt, Jonas Berdeen was doing really good, was being was great, and I think when he got, you know, when he was hurt, you could definitely tell there was a bit, you know, they struggled a little bit defensively, and you know, maybe it's I don't know. I just feel like he's, uh, I mean, even here, I feel like he's still been sort of underappreciated. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast, but I just think that the. You know, obviously, you know, with him up, they kind of struggled. And, um, you know, Jared Spurgeon is still an incredibly valuable team captain, great leader and everything, but they were still able to win games without him. And, you know, when Brodeen was out, they kind of struggled a little bit. So uh, I just think he's probably another guy you might be able to consider. Yeah, and I, I didn't go with Kaprizov. I know he's the obvious choice, and I think he'd <laughs> no, end up being the choice. I just wanted to throw something else out there sure. that uh, maybe not all three of us were like, oh, Kaprizov, Kaprizov, Kaprizov. So, yep. <laughs> as much as yeah. he probably is. I, yeah. There's a lot of guys that have had excellent seasons so far. Yeah, for sure. Points in 12 of his last 14, um, with I think about half of those being a multi-point. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's uh, second in the league in even strength points, which is – yeah, because awesome. it's pretty good. They're not coming on the power play. <laughs> no. Imagine if that was clicking too. <laughs> uh, oh, my someday. damn prediction is jinx. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting next year to see if I don't predict that, how the power play will do. Yeah, that's the, yeah we'll see. Um, you know, maybe Rossi or Boldy or Addison or someone of that can, or some, un, you know, not on the roster player can give that a yeah. bump. Yeah. 
Um, I did briefly. Uh, we didn't. We couldn't get Sam on the show this week. She had some other commitments. Couldn't come on. Um, unfortunately, it's been uh, just as bad, if not worse, for the Whitecaps um, than it has been for the Wild. But just a quick update on them: they have now dropped five straight. Um, they did have their games against the Buffalo Buttes postponed two weeks ago. Um, hosted the uh, Toronto Six this weekend. Um, fell to them 4 nothing on Saturday and a close 2-1 game uh, on Sunday. I did want to bring some positivity here. Um, I have to find the tweet. It's somewhere in here. Here it is. This is from uh, Mike Murphy on Twitter, at DigDeepBSB, um, talking about Amanda Lavelle, the Whitecaps goalie. She has a 927 save percentage. Um, and is averaging almost 40 shots um, against in eight starts. Um, despite all that, uh, just one six and one. Um, and he says, please, someone, anyone, help Lev. She's been unbelievable, and the Whitecaps have just seven goals in their last seven games. So, um, you know, the, getting, yeah. the, the scoring hasn't been there for the Whitecaps, but, um, you know, as, as uh, Sam has mentioned on the show several times, you know, uh, a lot of new faces in that lineup, maybe still working to build some of that chemistry. Um, maybe they just need to find some combinations that work and maybe get some offense from someone outside of John Curtis, who I think has kind of been sort of the main piece of, of driving that offensive bus for the Whitecaps. It sounds like she's getting uh, Jesper Wallstedted. Yeah, I mean, literally, the parallels are insane. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you played yeah. well and only allowed two goals? Oh, you lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they turn around because they've been such a good team that's made the championship game couple years in a row so hopefully they figured out and have a, a great second half and make another run yeah we don't want to forget about them um they are off now i believe um until um the weekend following new year's so nothing on the schedule again till january 8th um where they'll rematch uh, the toronto six in toronto and they go on a little road trip there with four straight games against the buttes um, not back at home again until the month of February. So um, that's where we're at with the Whitecaps. So Sam will probably have jump back on following the kind of the holiday break here, and we'll preview that series against the Six um, in about, I think that'd be three, two and a half weeks from today, maybe two weeks, somewhere around there. So, But didn't want to overlook them, but uh, yeah, hope maybe a little, a little chance for them to reset and find the offense over the holiday break here. Um. I think that basically covers everything. Um, I mean, we were shooting from the hips. Didn't really have a, an agenda tonight anyway, but just wanted to get on, talk some wild, maybe talk some positivity heading into into Christmas. But um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Any final thoughts or conversations you want to have before we uh, before we wrap up this evening? I guess my final thought is is just I kind of we always kind of say it, just enjoy it and stick with it. I know it's kind of hard to go through losing streaks, the white caps, the wild. It's like, Oh, I don't want to do this freaking show tonight. Cause they've lost four in a row. It's just be negative, blah, blah, blah. But there's, I mean, they've, they've had a good season and it's just part of the ebbs and flows of, of the game. And I mean, enjoy it. They're still a good team. Still yeah. make a run. They're still first in the division and the conference, yeah. Yeah. despite a four-game right. losing streak. So, <laughs> that's insane. No, I mean, if, if, if that's rock bottom, well, we're doing pretty oh, well. It's, still. it's all yeah. right. Facebook would uh, disagree with you there and thinks this is starting to look like the wild teams of old. So uh, just uh, don't don't ever go on there. By the way, don't be yeah, stupid. don't don't be stupid like me. Don't read comments even though it yeah. makes you mad. They're, they're yeah, I, and don't no, go to the comment section on Facebook when someone puts the replaces Caprice off with turnover on his jersey. I'm like, oh my, <laughs> oh my god, god, seriously. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Anyways. Uh, it's a place, but no, I, I think my kind of final thought is too. I mean, obviously with the, you know, the, the COVID postponements and the kind of the spread throughout the league and just in the world in general, um, you know, obviously not, not a doctor. I don't really know much, but I think, you know, it's, it's kind of fairly easy with the last week to kind of get down maybe a little bit on the fact that, oh, it's, you know, are you going to be able to keep playing the season or, you know, are you going to, are things going to shut down again, all this other stuff. And, I just, you know, hopefully people don't get, uh, you know, too down, too upset. I think it's just, you know, just part of life nowadays, just kind of what you have to deal with it. Uh, you know, it's not just going to go away in a day or two. And unfortunately, it's really impacted pretty much every, you know, sports league, which obviously 
doing the podcast is, you know, one of our, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, one of our biggest hobbies or things we like to do fun when we have the time. So just, you know, just try to, you know, over the next week, have some fun over the holidays. Just if, if you know, if you're, you're feeling kind of down about that, but they, it's just part of life. And uh, hopefully after this little break that they give, hopefully uh, all the teams can, you know, get back healthy, get back on a, on a consistent schedule. And I mean, hey, thankfully so far, you know, the Wild haven't really been hit by any of that. So that's one thing to be thankful for there. Yeah. Well, just, I got one more thing to say. Just three players, I think, is all that have just been yeah. Goudreau, Zuccarello, yeah. and then uh, Pitlick, right? I think it's yeah. just been yeah. those three. And then Peru, mm-hmm. so I believe they all have received the booster as well. So that could gotcha. be yeah. something that's helping that locker room as well. Mm-hmm. I just want to say one more final thought. I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, and uh, you know, enjoy time with family. And if not family, if you don't have family or are going through tough times, you find a friend or what whatnot. Uh, just uh, try and find uh, some happiness the next uh, next week and enjoy it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Enjoy enjoy the hideous from Minnesota sports for a little bit. Just uh, <laughs> you know, re- regain your sanity. Um, you know, don't don't think about the Vikings. Don't think about the Wild. You know, the Timberwolves have always been an afterthought. So hopefully, you're not thinking about them. But yeah, as Justin said, uh, enjoy your enjoy your holiday. Have a have a good Christmas if you celebrate, or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah. Um, Ram- Ramadan, I think maybe this time of year too. Maybe I don't know. I can't. There's so many. Whatever yeah. holiday you celebrate, enjoy it. Um, do it safely. Have fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good place to uh to end off here. So uh. Zeke, remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work. Uh, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter uh, at Zeke Boyat, and you can also find my work at 10kranks.com. Justin? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at C with Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. And then a quick reminder for those who didn't see, the uh, the player cards PCS data that I put out of every game is now available to view at any time um, from either the Google Sheets app or your desktop web browser. Uh, the instructions on how to access that, how to do that, are uh, pinned to my profile on Twitter, so check that out. Um, should have access to those. So if there's a player card you want to see, I don't have them for every game. It'll just be the most recent game. Um, but those are available for everyone to look at if they please. Uh, we will plan to do a show next week, we'll recap the Winnipeg game, talk about any injury updates, roster changes that the Wild may make before that, and then we'll uh, do a little preview, a little tease of the Winter Classic as that comes up a week from Saturday. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.